Welcome to Employing Differences, a conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals. I'm Karen Gimnig. And I'm Paul Tevis. Each episode, we start with a question and see where it takes us. This week's question is, whose anxiety is this? One of the things that anybody who has worked with groups for any period of time will notice is that when we come together to do things collectively, it's not smooth. Uh, there are friction points. Uh, there are difficulties. And in fact, that's a feature, not a bug. Um, that actually a lot of our creativity, the really interesting things that we come up with, uh, the things that are outside of our, our normal set of solutions to problems comes from that friction, comes from that rubbing together of ideas, that sometimes creative misunderstanding of each other. However, that is also stress-inducing. And it, it produces anxiety uh, in people in different ways. And one of the things that Karen and I have both noticed in our time working with groups is that sometimes anxiety comes in, which is perfectly normal. And where that anxiety resides is sometimes misidentified. And what we mean by this is that sometimes uh, I may be responding to a, a thing that I think is a concern that someone else has, and in fact, without realizing it, I'm responding to my own concern about that thing. So we want to explore a little bit here today, sort of where those things come from, uh, how we tend to misidentify them, what we can do about them so that we can actually deal with them in a more effective way. Yeah, so, so I think one of the things to get into here a little bit is when was the last time you were in a group and somebody said something to the effect of, I'm feeling anxious about this thing. And, and my experience is that doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's because people don't feel anxious very often. I think it's because we don't in our culture generally have a practice of expressing our emotions, especially not our discomfort. You know, it, it, even anger is probably more acceptable than I'm uncomfortable. I'm anxious. I'm worried about something, all of that isn't particularly invited, I think particularly in corporate culture, but even in more nonprofit or collaborative group type, type cultures, we bring the mainstream culture in and there's definitely the, you know, buck up, don't be a crybaby, all that stuff that we probably heard in our childhood growing up and school is a lot of where we learned how to be in groups because boy, were we. And and so there's a tendency not to name it. And I'm gonna suggest that if we're not naming it out loud, odds are we're not naming it for ourselves either. It's actually really easy, much easier to not say the thing out loud if I haven't said it to myself. Yes. <laughs> and so we don't. Yeah. And I think one of the, the ways of disguising it and the way that we actually end up fooling ourselves around a lot of these things is that we present these concerns more as objective qualities of the thing rather than our reaction to the thing, right? So we say things like, well, the problem with that is, as opposed to what I'm concerned about what that is. Um, so it, it, we actually project them outward. Um, uh, and, and I think that that actually happens often at a subconscious level, that we don't even realize that, that uh, that the the thing the thing we're having the the feeling that that we have in response to anything 
um, comes from the story we tell ourselves about its meaning. Like it, we are, there's an interpretive aspect to it. We don't have, act, we don't actually have feelings about things in the world. We have feelings about what we perceive to be the case or what we feel, what we, the story we tell ourselves about the thing out in the world. So we don't even recognize the piece of us that is involved in the generation of the feeling uh, often. And so, and that's, I think gets to where, to where you're talking about it, where it's like, yeah, we've, we've in a lot of cases sort of been conditioned to, um, to uh, deny that we actually have any involvement with it or that it's about us at all. It's not about us, it's about the thing. So I think part of, um, of being able to recognize that is to start to use language um, that actually recognizes that, right? To be able to say, I have this concern. Uh, and, and as you point out, that can be incredibly countercultural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the other piece is that, you know, often there's a culture that's, you know, don't bring the problem unless you have a solution, that kind of thing. And so there's this sense of, you know, if I'm concerned, or maybe all I have is a feeling, maybe I don't have a thought yet. Well, I sure better come up with one. And then I skip right over the feeling and land on the thought, which probably isn't my best thought. Whereas if I can start with something about this doesn't feel right. If we can create a culture in our collaborative spaces where it's wanted and encouraged to say, doesn't feel quite right to me. I haven't figured out why yet. Like, I don't have a thought yet. All I've got is a feeling and I can say that. And then there can be a conversation and it's actually in the interaction that I'm likely to, to get my own wisdom, my own knowledge, my own thought coming forward. So something in me knows there's something amiss about this. And it may be that it's a really major flaw in the thing being talked about for the group. It may be that it's reminding me of a thing that happened to me before that as it turns out, isn't actually relevant. But I don't know the difference between those until we have a chance to talk through it. And so if the group can hang with me and encourage me and ask questions, it can go a lot of ways. You know, one thing is if I say it, somebody else may then be brave enough to say it and they may have the thought, like they, they may be a little further along. And so there's that part of it. It may be that my uncertainty and objection to it gets talked about and I go, okay, I'm seeing my objection is my own internal thing. It is actually about my past experience or my other thing. And actually it doesn't apply in this case. Okay, I'm good now. And now I can be fully behind it in a way that I never would have been if I didn't go through that process and just sort of let it roll and went along with this niggling feeling, right? And then of course the other possibility is that as we work through it, the actual problem that does exist becomes clear to the group and the whole group goes, whoa, we're really glad that came up. So it can go a lot of different ways. And the only way you get any of those benefits is to engage with curiosity in a safe space, even if all you've got is the initial feeling. Mm -hmm. That engaging in that sort of process of mutual exploration, a collective exploration of that concern uh, can be really powerful and really useful. And as you point out, can, point, can bring you to any one of those uh, those conclusions. And unfortunately, the response that we usually get is the, as you point out, you know, 
don't bring up the problem if, unless you have a solution or, well, you shouldn't be worried about that. It's, you shouldn't feel that way. That's my favorite response, telling people how they should and shouldn't feel. And we do it all the time. But what's interesting about that is that's actually the case of the escalating anxiety because you are concerned about a particular thing and I probably have some concerns as well, but I'm, I may be more concerned about like, can we get through this, right? Can we just, can we just make a decision and move on, right? And now you bring up a, a concern or objection. And now that, that heightens my sense of like, oh, we're never gonna get through this. This is horrible. We shouldn't have. And, and so now I start blaming you for having brought it up and trying to shut that down and put the, push the genie back into the bottle. But that's an anxiety response on my part, right? I don't see how I am participating in the perpetuation of the problem because this is one of those cycles, right? You bring up a concern, I try to shut it back down. We're both contributing to that recurring pattern, but I can't see that I have a part of it at all because I'm likely to just say, well, Karen's just always bringing up these problems. She's so negative. She's such a naysayer, right? And that's, that's actually an expression of my anxiety about the process and my anxiety of the thing that's going on. So there, there is, that's sort of the second place where the surprise anxiety, right? It's like, it's like mm -hmm. I can think that, it, that it's either, you know, that what I'm feeling is not about me, that what I'm feeling is about an objective thing in the world. I can also feel like, oh, the source of the problem is somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's another way that I can just not notice it. Yeah. And I, of course, am on the other side of it going, you know, Paul's trying to rush everything through and my needs aren't being met. And Paul's so dismissive of me because I'm not seeing the urgency that you feel, which yeah. may or may not be right. It may be that you're seeing an urgency. I don't. And, it, you know, and we do need to move quickly on it or not. Right. <laughs> but we'll never get there if we're not bringing it up. Um and I think there is a balance here because there is also a need for efficiency. So we're saying, have a safe space to talk about these things, be able to bring these things up. But also, I think there's a personal work piece here and a commitment mm -hmm. that we each need to have to starting to pay attention. What is going on in me? And, and, and this isn't a thing you learn overnight, especially if we've had you know, decades and decades of learning the habit of not sharing emotions. But even as you're not sharing them, getting more and more aware, just having a consciousness of what am I feeling before I make an objection to something? Can I just pause and ask myself, what's the emotion behind that? Is there an emotional piece for me? Where might that be coming from? But doing that personal work of exploring what's going on in me, hopefully before I speak, but you know, maybe it happens afterwards. There, there are lots of places in the cycle where that growth can happen. But if each of us is doing that work, then the group work becomes easier. The, the other place that I wanna to point to with this is actually that where, where it can be hidden is I can think that I'm addressing someone else's concerns when in fact I'm trying to address my own, right? And so this is actually, it feels like um, it's incredibly altruistic. Like, I know that Karen is probably worried about this particular thing. This is a concern that she has. And so, and, but I never actually say those words. I never actually ask, Karen, are you worried about this particular thing? Uh, because I have some information that might, you know, address it. Instead, I just start presenting, right? And it just starts coming out. And I, and, and Karen, meanwhile, is sitting here going, like, why is he 
why is he bringing this up? Like, what is this? And it's because I don't realize that that's not about Karen's concern. It's actually about mine. Um, that maybe I'm trying to convince myself or, but I think that I'm doing it on behalf of another person. And so I think that that's, it's a different shade of how we don't see that we have it, um, that it may be coming up from us. Uh, and, and because it seems so helpful, right? We don't feel like we're getting angry or, or frustrated or things like that. We think we're being helpful. It's the other person who's getting frustrated because they just don't know why you won't shut up. Um, that we can, again, completely miss the fact that it's coming up out of our own need and our own sense of needing to deal with this. And again, I think that the key piece there really is the awareness um, of, uh, of, of why, why am I bringing this up? And have I validated that the other person is actually concerned about it or not? Yeah, and, and I want to tie this back to what we talked about in episode 91 around giving and receiving, which is... Mm. We have a culture that says it's great to give, it's it's great to be concerned about somebody yes. else, but it's not okay to be on the receiving end or to be asking for a thing that I need. And so I think mm -hmm. we've gotten so good at reframing our own needs that we can present them. I can present my own need as though it's your need. And then I'm much more comfortable with that. And the only problem is you're trying to figure out what the need is. <laughs> because it, it doesn't match. And sometimes they do. I mean, sometimes it works out okay because you do have that need. But well, I think what you're pointing to is where there is that mismatch. And I just want to link it to that idea of what the cultural standard is around asking, needing, receiving, that kind of thing. And if we can get good with the idea that we want to be both giving and receiving, and that's all part of the same system. We want all of that to be showing up and we want all of us in all of those roles. It helps with the culture shift that we're aiming mm -hmm. towards here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And of course, it doesn't help that while we're going through this process, uh, we, we are in that heightened state of anxiety and thus we're cognitively impaired. So our ability to self-reflect and even notice our own behavior isn't necessarily at its finest in those moments. So this is hard and it's why practice is actually really useful and the languaging piece around it like being in a, in a in a space where you're comfortable to actually say things like i am worried about or i need or i would like like to get your mouth used to making those sounds goes a long way towards helping your brain actually recognize when that's what it really means even though it's trying to say something else yeah, I, I think that that piece about it's hard to do in real time, which is why you need to do it when it's not big um, or afterwards, like the debrief after, okay, that didn't go well. What happened there? If mm -hmm. I can rehearse that situation over again and replay it and what would I have said in that case? And I think all of this work is best done with a partner, with another person. You know, I, I could sit down at home with my journal and write it by myself, and that's one way. But I think we get further usually with another human being and the connection around that. And frankly, the empathy that says, yep, I've been that crazy too. <laughs> yep, that, that's a thing that happens for me too. And because, because it is so human, mm -hmm. and we deny that piece of our humanity so routinely in our culture. So I think that's kind of the point here is to know that things are not always what they seem and get curious about what's 
what is going on here and willing to ask ourselves, is it me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to sum up, uh, you know, what we've really been exploring here today has been how we often uh, don't recognize that we are the one who's bringing an anxiety or concern to a situation uh, because we convince ourselves somehow that either it's an objective feature of whatever it is being discussed or uh, that it actually lives in someone else. Uh, it's not our concern, it's their concern. Either uh, what we're doing uh, in that moment is um, trying to push that concern away, that anxiety away, which just makes things worse, or we're maybe trying to um, address what we think is someone else's concern, but is actually our own and not realizing it. So there's a lot of different patterns that can be at play here, but all of them sort of stem from a lack of awareness that it's actually going on in us, where however it got there. And so the, the first key to working with it is developing that awareness. Um, you can do that with a lot of, in a lot of different ways, right? Journaling is one, working with a partner, working in a small group in a space where, where you can actually uh, think about that. And then also being able to say in a debrief, like, oh, here's what I noticed about why I was so worked up uh, in that conversation. It's because I was concerned about this. Spotting it after the fact is, is building the skill, right? You're spotting it sooner and sooner and sooner because it's super hard to do in real time. And then practicing that. So what would you like to do instead? What words would you like to use? How would you like to talk about it? Um, and uh, for some people, again, working that out in journaling is, is good. For some people, working with a partner, but getting the ability to behave in a different way when you notice that it's coming up for you. How can you do something that's actually congruent with what it is that you really want? That's going to do it for us today. Until next time, I'm Karen Gimnig. And I'm Paul Tevis. And this has been Employing Differences. <laughs>